Waheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Waheguru Ji Ki Fateh. So we'll just start off with a minute of Simran. We'll do a Mool Mantra and then we'll start the talk. So if everyone wants to sit up straight, shut your eyes. Now try not to think too much about who's sitting next to you and how loud you are. Let's just completely spend this time to focus our, our minds because we're going to need that for the talk. Vai Guru, 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 Vai Guru. Vai Guru, 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 Vai Guru. Vaheguru, 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 Vaheguru. Vai Guru, Vai Guru, Vai Guru, Vai Guru, Ik Unkar Satinam, Karitapurik, Nirpao, Nirvad, Akal Murate, Ajuni Sapang, Kuriprasad Japi, Ad Sachi. Jugad Sachi, Happy Sachi, Nanak Hosi P. Sachi. So today's talk is on something that Cal didn't want to tell you, so we'll keep it a secret for now. Now, what I need you all to do first is put your hand in the air. Pick your favorite arm, I don't mind any arm that you like. Everyone has to shake it about, loosen it up. Okay, they all work, so I know you can put your hands up, that is good. All right. So what I want you to do, I'm going to put some things on the screen, and if the answer for you is yes, I want you to put your hand up. If it's no, keep your hand down. Very simple. Yes up, no down. So the first question is, is there anyone in your life that you share your secrets with? Someone in your life you trust to share your secrets with? Okay, most people, awesome, good. Is there anyone in your life that knows the darker parts of your past? Maybe things you're not as proud of, someone who was there to experience it or you told them about it? Cool? Okay, a few less, that's cool. How about this one? Is there anyone in your life that knows about the feelings, the pains you had when you were a baby? Anyone got someone? Cool. What about someone in your life who knows every dream you've had when you're asleep, every nightmare you've had? Every dream? Wow. Hanji? You tell it to your partner, that's awesome, cool. 
And what about someone in your life that knows everything you did in your last life? The things you went through, the people you hurt, the people that hurt you? Anyone got someone? No? Okay. And the last one. Is there anyone in your life that knows every thought you're having every second? Every good thought and the bad ones, every single one. Has anyone got someone? That one up there, good answer. But a, these things that I've just raised there, when you think about it, we don't even know all of these things about ourselves, right? If I said to you, what was the last dream you had in your last life? God, that's even, even harder, right? A mixed two in one. What were you thinking before you came to this talk? As you were in the, in the Jordan Card there, what was your last thought? Do we even remember it? Probably not. But there is something that does know, that knows everything, that hears everything, sees everything, and that is Vaigru. Now in Gurbani, they talk a lot about Vaigru always being with you. Vaigru is always seeing everything, hearing everything, they can see exactly what you're doing. And sometimes that can feel a bit scary when you think about it. You can't get away with anything, right? Every single thing is being seen. That's not why grow. that's just a, a meme I've put there. And it can be scary, it can be scary because you can't get away with it, right? But I was thinking about this. I was thinking, why, why does it not scare me as much anymore? And a lot of what I'm gonna talk about today is my personal experiences. It's so, what is my relationship with Vaiguru and how has that developed? And this is very personal. So everyone here may have a different way of connecting to Vaiguru, a different way that they see Guru Sahib and see Vaiguru, and that's fine. But what you'll find is the fundamentals through all of those relationships are the same. So that's what I'll try and cover. So when I got married, I was quite young, I got married at 21. And a lot of people, before I got married, I was about 20 when I said, look, I'm ready to get married, now find me someone. I said to my close friends, I was like, I'm ready, just Kieran was there, like, find me someone. And they're all like, why? You're so young. What is it now that's made you want to look for a partner? Because you could, you could do so many things. You haven't even finished your degree yet. You could travel, you could work. What's going on? And I was very honest about what it was. And I said, I've had so many things in my life that have caused me pain, so many troubling parts of my past that I've always wanted to talk to someone about. And anytime they happen, I'll have a group of friends that I talk to and I tell them everything and then we go through, I give them the backstory, I give them the context. And then in a few years, my friends change, I get a different circle and then I have to tell them all the context and I have to tell them all the backstories every time everything happens. And I just got tired of it and I said to them, I just want someone there who's just with me through it all. Someone I can tell all my problems to. I don't have to keep telling them the context of who people are and why things are the way they are, why I feel the way I am. It's just, they just know. They just fully know. Someone I can share my problems with. And joke's on me, I wanted to share my problems with Rajan and he's become one of them. <laughs> Can't win. But there's a beauty in that, right? Ted, yeah? There's a beauty in that. That they just know, Vairu just knows. You don't have to share anything again, you don't have to tell them the context, the backstory, you don't have to explain the characters of your life. Vairu just knows. And I was thinking about Guru Nanak Dev Ji, Ji, and their relationship. And a few people have touched on this already in the last couple of days, which has been amazing. 
I was reading about their life, and if anyone doesn't know by now, Bhaimardana and Guru Nanak Dev Ji were very close. Bhaimardana Ji was about 10 years older than Guru Nanak Dev Ji, <clears throat> and they used to travel the world together, sharing the wisdom that Guru Nanak Dev Ji had about Vaiguru. And Bhaimardana Ji, if anyone's ever read the Janam Sakya of Guru Nanak Dev Ji, they will know that Bhaimardana Ji was troubled by one thing a lot in their life, something that always kind of tormented them, they would always get set back by this thing. Does anyone know what it is? Manpreet. Hanji? Hunger. Hunger, you're right, you're right. So I'm quite similar in that way. Yesterday, I didn't have enough lasagna for lunch and I, I got migraine. And I ended up, I was knockout for the whole, whole day. And it was like, just because I didn't have enough food just in that one day. Now, Bhaimardana Ji, Guru Nanak Dev Ji were traveling at this point. They've been traveling for about three days. Bhaimardana Ji starts getting a little bit hangry. For the older people, that's hungry and angry. It's hangry, Cal. And, um, <laughs> and they started getting really hangry. They started getting a bit like, oh God, I need some food. I need something. I need something to eat. And Guru Nanak Dev Ji, obviously, being the ultimate knower of everything, they could tell that Mardana was getting a little bit hungry, getting a little bit agitated. They're kind of looking over their shoulder, and they see by Mardana Ji with a clenched jaw like this, walking like that. And Guru Nanak Dev Ji knows, and out of compassion, out of, in a playful way, they say, Mardana, are you okay? <laughs> and Mardana Ji, they look at Guru Nanak, they're like, no, <laughs> I haven't eaten in three days. Three days I haven't eaten. I'm paraphrasing, by the way, this isn't how it's exactly written. I haven't eaten in three days. And by Mardana Ji, actually, in their, in their writings, they say they get hungry and they say things out of anger when they're hungry. So they start saying things like, I'm going to die out here. If you don't give me food, I'm going to die. And no one's even going to know that I'm here. I'm going to be dead in a forest. I'm not even going to get buried properly and all of this. They start getting all dramatic. And Guru Nanak Dev Ji is like, calm down, calm down. Don't worry. They go, Mardana, I'm, I'm not going to let you die of hunger. Don't worry. You'll be fine. And I tell you what, if you do die, I'll bring you back. Okay? Tika, good deal. And so Mardana is like, oh God, just give me some food. Give me some food. So Gurnanath Devji looks over and they see a tree and it's got this plant on it and it's this one here, it's called an ak plant. It's known for being very poisonous. So you cut it open, it's got like a, a glue-like substance in it, you eat it and you get digestive and respiratory failure almost immediately. And uh, Gurnanath Devji goes, Carlo, get some of those fruits and eat it. And they write, by Madonna, she goes, are you crazy? That's poisonous? I can't eat that. And Gurnayat Devji says, just have it, just try it, you'll be fine. It's going to be sweet, don't worry. So Mardana starts getting them, they pull them down, they start eating them, they're like, oh, it's actually sweet, wow. Done Gurnayat, done Gurnayat, this is amazing. They start having them, start eating them. And Gurnayat Devji says, fill your stomach, you know, actually get full, don't worry, but don't get greedy. So once you're full, stop. Don't take any, don't put anything in your pocket, just stop and just, you know, you're full for today. And Paimardana's like, tika tika, eating away at this beautiful sweet fruit that he's found. And then he starts thinking, well, it's so nice. And tomorrow I'm going to get hungry again. I should probably take a little bit. I'll just take a little bit. I'll take a few of these fruits. They come up, put them in their pocket, and they keep them with them for the next day. The next day goes, you know, he's had it. He's fine. He's walking around. They've done their traveling that day. They come to the next day, and Paimardana gets a bit peckish. And they're like, okay. I've got my fruits. I'm all right. <laughs> they take them out of their pocket and they start eating them. They start eating them and straight away, 
And straight away, Bhaimadana Ji falls to the floor. Now, Gunanik Divji had to see them as a little bit further because they didn't notice at this point. They didn't see Mardana fall to the floor. And Mardana doesn't want to say anything because they know. It's like, oh, God, it's because I've done that, right? It's because I ate that. So they're there, they're squirming in pain. Like, imagine this is like your stomach. You've eaten poison, right? Your stomach is turning in itself. And they, they don't want to call out to Gunanik. They don't want to say what they've done. But they're just stuck. They're just stuck in this pain. And then Mardana, the Mardana's just there on the floor, squirming away. And Gurnanit Devji turns around. And they said, no, no. And they said, um, Mardana, it looks like you took some fruit, Hannah. And Mardana's like, yes, Gurnanik, I'm sorry. I'm ignorant. I'm sorry. I did it. I thought it was going to be sweet again. And it wasn't. And now I'm, I'm in so much pain. Help me. So Gurnanit Devji says, Mardana, look, you followed your desires. And then out of Biyad, Guru Nanak Devji goes and they get another fruit, the same fruit. They cut it up and they give it to Mardana. They say, eat it, have this, you'll be fine. And Mardana has it and then very quickly he's fine again. He starts, he gets back up on his feet and they start traveling again. They go to where they were going, they go to a village. And what I really liked about this story was I thought about how at first Bhai Mardana Ji didn't want to say anything. And I thought, I, I'm like that a lot. There's so many times where I don't want to admit what I've done. I don't want to be truthful about the mistakes I've made in the past or even the thoughts I'm having right now. Are they coming from a pure place or am I speaking from a place of ego, anger, jealousy, that kind of place? But Guru Nanak Dev Ji, in that moment when Bhai Mardana Ji accepted what they did, when they fell at Guru Nanak Dev Ji's feet and they said, I'm ignorant, I'm sorry I messed up, Guru Nanak Dev Ji didn't hesitate to get them that fruit and give it to them and make them better, right? So I found that really beautiful. And I was thinking, okay, so Guru Nanak Dev Ji is always with us. Vaigur is always with us. But why do I sometimes not feel their presence? Because sometimes it's not so obvious. It's much easier sometimes to feel when you're not with Vaigur than when you are if that makes sense. So we spoke about this yesterday. When you leave the camp, you might get that like withdrawal feeling of not being in Sangat. At this time, you might not even feel that you're in a high, but it's when you go home and you're like, oh, it was actually really nice there. So why is it that we have that low? And why is it that we don't feel Vaiguru all the time? So we're going to start with that. So there's a Shabbat in Gurbani that talks about this feeling of separation. And the Shabd is Pambiri ke paath pardo bin peke durayo. And it says, Pambiri ke paath. It's talking about the wings of a butterfly, the thinness of the wings of a butterfly. That's pretty thin, right? It says, that is the same thickness, sometimes Guru Sahib is saying, as how separation feels. It's very thin, it's very thin. It's the wing of a butterfly. But when it's in the way, you seem so far. So I was reflecting, I was like, right, okay. So many people say these, these uh, veils of separation are this and that, ego and whatever. What are my veils of separation? When do I feel the most separated from Vaiguru? So now I'm going to talk about my experience through this. So what made Vaiguru seem far for me? And on reflection, I felt that it was when I let temporary things in my life take the reins, take the control over who I am and what I'm doing. 
Now, does anyone know what I mean when I'm talking about temporary things? Is anyone resonating with that at all? I'm already just smiling. What are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you're stuck in these moments where you are letting things take over, they feel so consuming, right? And you almost can't see outside of them. You don't see the effects of what is going to happen. You just see that moment. You don't see how that's going to play out in the future, in your gurum, in, in the way that things are going to turn out, the consequences of your actions. So that, for me, was when I thought, that's when I feel separate. That's when I feel the distance, when I let those things take over. So I started listing them. Okay, I know what they are. Let's pinpoint it. Let's see what exactly it is. What are these key moments in my life, these key things where I feel so distant, where I feel like I'm taken over? I don't feel like I'm in that place of stillness. I feel that I'm being controlled. And I'm just, I'll put them on the screen here. I'll just share a couple with you and just show you what I mean by them. So on the fourth one there, I've got scared of people's opinions. Now sometimes I'll be doing things, I'll be doing seva, I'll be doing kirtan or something, and in my mind I get these thoughts. I start thinking, okay, what if this person is thinking that? And what if that person is thinking that? And if I do it like this, it's going to be like that. And I overthink and I get stuck. I get stuck in what people are going to think of me. And in those moments, I'm not in that peace. I'm not thinking about how is this going to be fruitful in my life? How am I going to connect to Vaiguru? I'm thinking about the temporary stuff, the people, the stuff that's not going to go with me when I die, right? I've got another one on there. Being defensive about my family and friends. Now, this, this was a really hard one for me a few years ago. When someone would say something about my family, and I took it, I took it so personally. That's my family. Don't you say that about my family. He's dead. And uh, I realized slowly, look, th these are my family right now. But in Gurbani, we know that right now, that's my mom and dad. In my next life, they could be my brother, my sister. They could be my children. This rishta, this changes all the time, this relationship. But in some moments, I get so consumed by it, so consumed by that rishta, that I want to protect it. I don't want anything to happen to it, and I forget about the bigger picture. And you can see there's a couple more I've listed on there, but we won't go through those. And so that's great. That's, that's in the moment. These things are tearing me away. These things make me feel like that wing, that butterfly wing, is stopping me from seeing why I grew in that moment. What's putting them there? They must be coming from somewhere, right? So, I started thinking about it. And I put it down to these. Anything that is pulling me away from Waiguru is being fed by my ego. Now, when I say ego here, I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about I'm the best in the world. I'm talking about ego being everything I identif I identify with that isn't Waiguru. So these temporary things, right? The temporary stuff that I'm talking about. I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a, I'm a woman. All these things that will end one day. And I thought, okay, we've got our punch jaw, right? How does that fit in? Now in Gurbani, it says that the ego, that identifying of something that is not Vaiguru, fuels our punch jaw. So, kaam krod mohankar. Anytime we identify as something that is temporary, it's fueling those five. So I thought, okay, I'm going to map those out. There's me being logical again, right? I went back to my list of every time I feel separate, really separate from Vaiguru, 
and I started listing. Okay, so when I'm scared of people's opinions, what is that? That's pride. That's me saying, I don't want to look bad. I want my reputation to be good. I don't want people to see me as bad. When I get de defensive about my family, about my friends, that's my attachment to them. And a really interesting exercise that we can do if we have time at the end is to start looking at these ourselves. So reflecting in our lives, stepping back from that identification of something that is not Vaigru, and saying, where am I acting from? Is it from that still place? Or is it from these layers of ego that we've identified as? And it's very easy to then fall into this place where I'm bad, I'm so stuck in this. I'm so rubbish, I'm so fueled by these things, I can't even see a way out, I don't know what to do. And it's important in those moments to remember that our Panj Jord, they're much bigger than we sometimes think they are. We're very easy to be like, oh, that person has anger issues, that person's like this, that person's like that. But these things, these Panj Jord, Maharaj describes them. Panj Bikadi ek gariba rakho rak nahare. Kheed kare ar bohut sintave ayo sarantahare. Maharaj talks about them tormenting us. Literally, think about this word, tormenting, torturing. Imagine our Panj Jorda standing around us, beating us, and saying, be like this, be like this. And us bachare, garibbe, we're just like, stuck, we're just stuck there. So we go to Vaiguru. So the first step is identifying what our layers are, right? Identify these veils of separation. And we can start to detach from them. And we can start to see whether Banj Jorda are attacking us in these ways. By doing that, we stop living from our ego. We stop living from the temporariness. Now, these things that we identify as are there to help us, to, to allow us to serve Vaiguru, to connect to Vaiguru. They're not necessarily bad unless we make them bad, unless we get really attached to these things. Being a mother, you can serve Vaiguru through your children. Being a wife, you can serve your your husband as your as Vaiguru. There's amazing ways in our itihas and in Gurbani that Maharaj talks about these. So it's about authenticity, right? It's about knowing who you are and what you're struggling with. We have to be real. We can't pretend we're not. Guru Nanak Devji, when they were traveling, what they would do, they'd meet these, uh, these people in these towns. They'd meet like murderers, rapists, cannibals. And we hear these stories all the time, right? We say, oh, Marge met cannibals, Marge met these people. Imagine right now, you are sitting next to a cannibal. The, the person who's come, yeah, that, that face exactly, buddy. That person next to you eats people. It's not a little thing. Gurnanik Devji went to those places and they helped those people. And when Gurnanik Devji would meet them, they would give them very specific things. If they met prostitutes, they would say things about sensual desires and controlling that. The prostitutes didn't then go, nah, I'm all right. I don't need it, I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not controlled by my senses, I'm fine. And then the story ends. They listen and they accept it and then they can move forward. But without accepting it and being in denial, you're stuck. But it's very, very easy to fall. And it's very easy to get stuck in it. And again, let's go back to Pai Mardana Ji and Guru Nanak Dev Ji. And this is one of my favorite stories. So Pai Mardana Ji has just recovered, yeah, from the poison. They're up, they're walking, and they get to the next town. They've been walking for a little while by now. 
Gunayat Devji, Pai Mardanaji, Pai Mardanaji, and Pai Balaji, they sit under a tree that looks over this town. And they're looking over it, and Pai Mardanaji starts to just observe. They're like, oh, it's a beautiful town. Look at the trees, look at the plants, look at the fruits hanging off. Do you know where their mind went? To food, exactly. And so Pai Mardanaji goes to Guru Nanak Devji, can I go into the town just to get some food? It's been a while, come on, let me have a little bit, a little taste of something. Looks like there's some shops. Guru Nanak Devji said, no, it's not safe. This town, this town is full of people who do spells, witches, witchcraft, that kind of stuff, black magic, all of this. Don't go there, not safe, not safe. And Pai Mardanaji, getting hangry again, as we know, they go, you're just trying to scare me. You just don't want me. You don't give me food and you don't let me go. What am I supposed to do? I'm just stuck. I'm stuck again. And Gurnanak Devji's like, look, Mardana, I can see that you're just fueled by your hunger. If you want to go, you can go, but I've warned you. I've told you and I've told you what the consequences are going to be. Mardana goes, Chal Tikya, I'm off. He goes, he goes to the town. And he starts wandering around. He has a little wonder and then he sees a little shop where there's some food. So he goes in and he starts sitting down. And what he doesn't realize at this point, he starts looking around. He hadn't realized that at this point. He starts seeing that everyone there are women. And they're all dressed very seductively, very provocative. They've got loads of makeup and like, like fluttering their eyelashes. I'm not going to do it, can't do it. And they're just slightly different, something about them. But Mardana's just focused on food, right? So he's looking for his food. And the women, there's a few of them, they look over to Mardana and they go, I want him. And then the other one goes, no, I want him. And then the other one goes, no, I want him. And they're all fighting over Mardana. They're all going, they want him, they want him. And what they do in this town, they are notorious for capturing travelers and then making them indulge in sensual things. Mardana didn't know. So they're all fighting over Mardana. They're all fighting, they all want him. Madonna's just looking for food. <laughs> and then there's this one woman, she just, she's like, no, nah, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go, I'm going to get him. So she's, she casts this spell. She puts this string over Madonna. And she, she casts this spell on him to make him think that he is a goat, a, a sheep. So Madonna now, he's standing there. In his head, he's going, I know I'm Madonna, but why am I a sheep? And very quickly, she ties him up and she ties him to a wooden peg on the floor so he can't escape. So now picture this. If you just shut your eyes, let's picture this because this is why it's my favorite story. Now, Mardana is there in a random place, in a random town. Gurnanik Deji told him not to go there. Mardana thinks he's a sheep. He's tied up. He's on all fours. He's tied to a wooden peg. And he doesn't know what to do. He can't speak. He's a sheep. So he starts making all these sheep sounds. He starts flaring his nostrils. He starts kicking. I found that so funny. I just imagine Mardana doing this, being stuck there. And then at that moment, Gurnanik Devji, they think, time to go. <laughs> Let's go out. Because Mardana, what they did at that point is they focused their mind on Gurnanik Devji. And they felt so helpless as a little sheep in there. They thought, the only person that can help me is Guru Nanak Devji. So in that moment, Guru Nanak Devji felt that. They came to Mardana. They start walking through the town. They're looking for Mardana. And they look through a window. 
and they see Merdano all fours, <laughs> making these sheep sounds, kicking, flaring his nostrils. A good night, Devji goes, come on then, let's go in. So they go in to go help Merdano. And when they walk in, the women there see Guru Nanak Devji. And you know what they're like, right? We've already spoken about this. You know what they're like. They see Guru Nanak Devji and they say, I want him. But did it work on Guru Nanak? No. You're right. It didn't. Guru Nanak Devji being the powerful being that they are. Anytime one of the witches tries to cast a spell on Guru Nanak Devji, it flipped back on them. So then the women thought they were a sheep. They thought they were a dog. And they start buying and... What do dogs do? Woofing. They can't. Barking, that's the one. They can't influence Guru Nanak Dev Ji. Woofing, that's the one. Woof, woof. So in that moment, Guru Nanak Dev Ji, they go to, they go to Ji, they save them, they take them out. And it's an amazing story. There's way more that happens after, which I'm not going to go into today. Gurnanik Devji ends up changing that town. They make it into a beautiful place. People go to collective, they come and pray together. But again, what am I taking from this? When I think of this story, what is it giving me? It shows me that Madonna fell that first time, right? They said, I'm ignorant, I won't do it again. I promise I won't do it again. But then they did it again. And Gurnanik Devji, with the same compassion, they saved them again. Because Guru Nanak Dev Ji, Vai Guru, again, it's Akal Purk. They are all knowing. They know exactly where you are, what table you're tied up to as a sheep. They know it all. So sometimes we need to give ourselves a bit of a reality check. Am I being authentic? Am I trying to hide things from Vai Guru? Am I in denial? Because egos are bruised so quickly nowadays especially the young people who will probably get offended that I said that. We are so quick to take things sensitively. We don't want to hear when we're wrong. And we get so caught up in it that sometimes we don't even know that we are wrong. And I'll tell, I'll tell you from a personal experience. Me and Rajan used to argue quite a lot. Anna? <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, we used to argue quite a lot. Bella, Bella. And there would be points in the conversation, and we were talking about this the other day, how we both did it. <laughs> we, would, <laughs> we would get to this point in the argument where I knew I was wrong. 100% I knew I was wrong. And I was like, right, how am I going to make myself right? <laughs> what can I do to this argument to manipulate it so that my argument ends up being the right one? He tries this too, but he's not as good. And it worked. And I'd get to the end of the argument and I'd be like, yes, at least I want it. But there'd be no, you know, there's no good outcome from that. We we're kidding ourselves. And we do that with Vaiguru as well. I do that with Vaiguru a lot. I will say, no, Vaiguru, I'm acting out from this place of, I'm looking out for that person. That's why I warned them about that. That's why I did that gossiping, because I didn't want them to associate together, because I, I don't want to crab that person. When actually, I just wanted to gossip. And we can mask all these things however we want. We can say we're acting from the best place ever, but if you're not really, who are we kidding? You know? The next reality check we can give ourselves. What else am I doing in my life that is fueling all of these banj jord? Does anyone know what I mean by this? So what things are making it even worse? 
little actions that we, we do. And I mentioned one of them just then. Any idea, Benji? What makes our Banj Jodwas activities that enhance it? Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. So things like, what am I indulging in? What am I feeding my brain, right? You said social media. What am I feeding myself? And when I did this, I was thinking of things like jealousy, speaking out of jealousy, speaking out of doing gossip and making things up. All of that stuff is just adding to that fire. It's adding to, it's little things that are just adding to it, right? Making it even worse. The next one is triggers. So is there specific places, specific people that I know that I, where I go to where it gets even worse? Are there people that just set me off? Now, I, I started thinking of who these are in my life. And you'll probably be able to think of the people in your life. And I reckon 99% of this is either going to be someone in your very close family. No, that's it. <laughs> so it's going to be someone in your very close family. Because that's the hardest time to do it. And if you're married, it's your partner, probably, I would say. And we've got to start identifying these places, these triggers, so that when we go to them, when we are with these people, when we're around those places, we can get our barriers up. We can start protecting and start thinking ahead that, look, I know I'm going into that place, and I know that that's going to set me off, so I need to be even more conscious of it. And the way that I start to picture it, the way that I like to see it in my mind, is imagine, imagine it's a certain house, and everyone in that house sets me off. When I go into that house, when I walk in, what I want to start to think is that every door and every window in that house is unlocked. And that house is metaphorically my mind. So when I go in, every entrance to my mind is just unlocked. Anyone can come in, anyone can do anything. I'm vulnerable, I'm exposed. Any door can come in and steal what they want. So I know when I go into there, I need to be even more ready. I need to have my sorti ready, ready to go. And it's about getting ready for that. Start preparing for those moments. And the last one, which at the moment for me is something that I'm working on, is the innocence. We can fall into calculating our love for Vaiguru. This many, this is equals, I'm gonna get, I'm be, I'll be a Brahmgyani if I do five Japji Sahibs like this, you know? It's not calculation, it's an experience. It's something that we need to experience more rather than measure. And every time we do these things, where we want to increase our barney, increase our nitinim, it's incredible, it's amazing. These things are the tools that are going to connect us, but we need to make sure that that doesn't become our sikhi. Because Maharaj says, contemplate. Contemplate on these words. When Guru Nanak Dev Ji traveled, and they met these people, they gave them those specific bhajans, those specific orders to the prostitutes, the murderers, the, the rapists, all of these. They gave them specific things that were about them. And those people applied those teachings to their lives. So we should do the same. When we read Gurbani, we read the lines, we see things that pick out, they stand out to us. Let's apply them, think about them. This, this means something to me now. And we have to stop trying to be clever. So does anyone know what this monkey is feeling? He's smiling. Anyone got an idea what the monkey might be feeling? Feeling a banana. I don't know if that's a feeling. Good, good answer. Anyone? Do you think he's sad? Playful, happy, yeah? He looks quite happy. 
What about this guy? He's quite sad. Anyone know what this elephant's feeling? Probably sad with the bull. Sad with the bull. Now what's interesting, if we go back to the monkey, you know what, this is the only time my degree has actually been useful in my life. So when monkeys smile like this, it's actually a form of defending against a predator. So they're doing it out of aggression. They're not actually happy. Nine times out of ten, a monkey smiling. If they do it at you, you better run. They're ready to attack back. And the next one, this elephant. Well, elephants don't have tear ducts. They can't actually cry like a human can cry. It's literally like Gid and Barney and stuff just coming out. So there's no reason why an elephant we think would cry. So why do we think that the monkey was happy and the elephant was sad? Why did we think that? Exactly. So we only know what we know as humans. That's our experience. We haven't been anything else. I haven't been a monkey that I know of in this life. And I haven't been an elephant that I can remember either. So I don't know what they were doing. All I know is my understanding of the human experience. And we do the same thing with Waiguru. We say, okay, I know what a human does. I know how a human works. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to say that's how Waiguru works. Because that's, that's all I know. And that's, that's natural. That's what we would do. So you see people in the world, they see this, they see the thumbs up, they're like, oh, God gave me a thumbs up. They see this face, they say, oh, Jesus is smiling at me. These, these eyes, are the, the eyes of God looking down on me. That angel there walking towards the sun. This is incredible, look at Waiguru, look at his thumb. And we start looking for the human Waiguru around us. And this isn't always necessarily a bad thing. For some people, it's a beautiful way to see Waiguru, to see them in the way that it's like, God is like my father, and it works amazing for some people. But for most of us who are living out of our ego, especially for me, it can very easily fall into the place of having human demands of Waiguru, expecting them to behave like a human, Saying things like, God did this to me. God wanted me to be like that. God made me say it. God's ever, God did everything. Does that sound familiar, Rajin? God didn't wake me up this morning. But in Jaap Saib, many of us who read this every day, they describe Vaiguru, they say, they, they say things like this. Ajate, nirname, nirkame, arange, agade. All these descriptions of a Kalpurak. And they say, Waiguru is without caste. Okay, fine. Casteless. Waiguru is without a name. Okay. Waiguru is without desires. Okay, so they can't desire anything for me. They can't want anything for me. They just, they just are. Without a color. Okay, well, clouds are white, so that's a, that's a shade. It kind of still works. No, no. Agadde, beyond comprehension. We're trying to personify and make something human that is beyond comprehension. So what do you do with that? Oh, yeah. So what do you do with that now? How do you build this relationship with something? Akal Purik has given us our guru, 
in a form that we can relate to. Guru Nanak Devji came. They had playful banter with Bhai Mardana and we learned from those. And to start thinking like this, to start separating us from our ego, start acting out of this, more, this place of stillness rather than these layers of things we've identified as, to start actually doing that consciously as much as we can, it's a gentle practice. We don't want to start doing it so much that we get so stressed about it, like, oh God, I acted from my ego again. I did this again, because it can be tiring. This is a gentle practice that we can start doing. So within that, one of the things that we can start doing daily, which is quite fun, is you start seeing how things are working in the world. You just, just watch it, just observe. Start noticing Vaiguru's play. So we know Vaiguru's incomprehensible. We can't even think, I've put a couple examples here, we can't even think of another hundred senses, right? If I was to say to you, describe five more, five more senses to me, we can't do that, it's beyond our comprehension. Benji, describe a new color. Can't do it, we can't do it. We can't even start to describe Vaiguru. We could say what they're not. So what we can do is we can start doing little steps. We can start having little moments where we start recognizing it. And for me, like I said, this is my personal thing. What I start doing is I start looking at the playful side of it. I start seeing, right, when, when Rajan is acting in a certain way, when I act in a certain, sorry, when I act in a certain way, where is that coming from? Why has that come like this? Oh, it's because I was like this when I, when I did that, and now I've become like this. And I start seeing it more like a story, rather than being focused in that moment. So we start seeing it in a playful way. And you can actually start to enjoy these moments rather than seeing them as always an attack on yourself or an attack on someone around you. I won't get defensive about my family anymore, about my friends, because I know I can see the layers. And I can just see how it's starting to work. And it leads us to this point where we're not controlled by our ego. We can choose when to use it, when it's useful, when it makes sense to help, to do good. We're not controlled by it. And part of this along the way, we have to remember that we have to contemplate on these things that we're reading like we spoke about. How much time do I actually spend in the morning thinking about Vaiguru? Even trying to understand, thinking how great they are. What does it mean a jatte? What does it mean a gadde? What are these words actually saying to me? How does it make sense? What's my spiritual practice and my discipline? I need to have something. I need to make a conscious effort. I need to make steps to walk towards Vaigra and start understanding them. But it's not so easy, of course. Maharaj always describes this illusion, this ego, as being enticing, being so sweet and captivating that you, you struggle to walk away from it. And I experienced that when I was doing Simran and when I was doing, reading Gurbani. Sometimes I would feel physically uncomfortable I'd be like, why am I feeling uncomfortable? Surely it's supposed to be the opposite. I thought people read Bart to relax. And there's me like, oh, this is weird. This is weird. And I really struggled with it. And it was only until I started thinking, okay, it's because I'm challenging everything that I've been thinking for so many years now. My body doesn't want it. Maya is enticing. It is so addictive. Your body, your mind is going to fight you. So when you get that resistance, just know that it's normal. And it's a part of the process. 
And we're going to end on this final little, little story. So I spoke about observing the play of Vaikur around us and just taking in that moment when things are going bad, just stepping back and being a, look at that. And Guru Nanak Devji does this. When you read the stories about their life, one, one story that you probably heard of is when Guru Nanak Devji by Mardana Ji are traveling, as they were very often. And Mardana at this point, they say, Maharaj, I want to go home. I want to see my family. And Guru Nanak Devji says, not yet. Don't go yet. It's a very dangerous place back there where you'll have to go. Don't go yet. And Mardana says, I have to, I have to go. They don't listen to Guru Nanak Devji and they start walking. They go to the jungle, they walk for a whole day. They get to a good place and they think, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna camp out here tonight. It's a good place to rest. What they didn't know at that point was that very shortly, they were going to be captured by someone called Kaudarakash. Some of you might have heard this story. And Bhai Mardanaji gets captured by this giant, monstery being, huge guy, who wants to eat him. He wants to take him back and literally fry him in teel and eat him. So Mardana gets picked up by this giant, he walks him over, takes him to a really dense part of the, the jungle where no one would be able to find them. And Bhai Mardana's going, oh God, what have I done? What have I done now? I'm stuck. I'm so stuck. And they start thinking, Guru Nanak Dev Ji, save me. I'm the, you're the only one that can save me again. I keep falling, but please save me again. And Kaudarakash is getting ready to fry by Mardanna. They're getting them ready. They're putting the tail on. The tail is bubbling away now. It's ready, ready to be eaten. And Pai Mardanna Ji is sitting there, just looking at, the, at this uh, karai of tail, preparing to be fried. And at that moment, Guru Nanak Dev Ji, they say to Pai Balaji, who's with them, they say, Jalo, it's time to get Mardanna. And Pai Balaji is like, you told him not to go. And he went, are we still going to go? Good night, Devji says, huh, jana pena, let's go, let's go. So they start, they, they go to, they find Pai Mardanaji in the dense bit of the jungle. And I was thinking about this story and I was closing my eyes and I was thinking about how do I imagine this being? And I see Gurunanik Devji, they say from a distance, Gurunanik Devji, Pai Mardanaji, Gurunanik Devji were watching Pai Mardanaji from a distance. They were seeing what was happening. They could see the fire. They could see the karai of tail. It was bubbling away. And Pai Balaji at this point goes, Gurunanik Devji, come on, we should go. You, you said that he's going to get fried at this, time, at this point. Come on, we need to hurry up. Do you want him to die? Gurunanik Devji goes, just wait. Just wait a minute. Gurunanik just looks back and just looks at this. And he goes, look at this play of Vaiguru. In that moment, Pai Mardana Ji is about to be fried. Guru Nanak Dev Ji's mind comes, look at this play. I found that so beautiful. And obviously there's, there's a longer story here. Guru Nanak Dev Ji saves Pai Mardana Ji. The tail goes cold. Mardana doesn't get fried. Godda gets saved. It's an amazing story. And it just made me realize that is such a big thing to happen. Someone about to be fried in tail and us, in these moments, we need to start remembering, in the smaller moments at least, when something's happening, when someone says something new, take it personally. Attack on our ego. Step back. This is a play of Vaigru.
This is what we need to start reminding ourselves. I need to start reminding myself this as much as I can. So I'm going to finish on a couple of takeaway points here. So I found this Shabbat that I thought was really beautiful. And Maharaj says that you meet Vaiguru through that simple, innocent love. Not through this counting and measuring and trying to trick Vaiguru and hiding and all of these things. This is trickery. Vaiguru's met through that love. And Vaiguru, as we spoke about right in the beginning, they're with us through it all. So one thing we can take away, Vaiguru is the, that thing, that being that is there through everything with us that we can talk to all the time. We can have that playful banter with. We can look at their play and be like, what are you doing? This is amazing. But it's, you know, what it is. We can become conscious of when we're acting out of our ego. We can step back, look at that play. Start challenging ourselves. When we're having conversations, challenge your own mind and say, am I acting out of my ego? Am I acting from that pure place or not? We have to make sure we incorporate Gurbani, Bijar, contemplation in our lives, in the mornings, whenever we can. Actually think about what Guru Nanak Dev Ji is saying to us. How, does, how is this going to make me? What is this going to make me? Who am I going to be from reading this Barney? This is for me. Yes, it doesn't, you, you can't limit Vaiguru. I meant to say can't, typo. We can't put limit on Vaiguru. We can't make them into this human thing that is same as having a person here. Vaiguru is in, incomprehensible, can't even say it, incomprehensible. And the final thing that I thought is important is authenticity, being real with ourselves and each other, where we are in our lives. We need to have that. We need to have that innocence and that love that we spoke about. And those are the building blocks that every relationship with Vaiguru will have. Everyone in this room may have a different approach to building their relationship with Vaiguru, but it will be from those things. Authenticity, innocence, and love. So, we're going to end it on that point. And we're a little bit short for time. So what I'm going to do is, did you get the papers? We're going to hand out some papers and some pens. I don't know if we've got enough, but we'll try. And for the last five, 10 minutes, if we can just identify one of our veils of separation that we're feeling, it could be today, it could be this week, or this month, or in the past few years, whatever you feel, just have a think about the one, one thing that makes you feel distant from Vaiguru. Because now we know how to challenge that. We know how to separate from it. So after that 10 minutes is done, I'll pass it back to Cal Bardi and he'll, he'll finish the announcements. I'm really sorry if I've said anything that's offended anyone or if I said any of the stories wrong. I'm not a trained Bajadik like these amazing people at the back. I'm just sharing my journey and what I've learned so far. So thank you all for listening. Why Gurji Ka Khalsa, Why Gurji Ki Fateh.